This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey guys, welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. Uh, We're on a milestone episode, but before we dive into that, uh, this episode is brought to you by and presented by Scent Crusher, scentcrusher.com. You've all heard about it before. We're not telling anything new. But if you are new to the podcast, it is new. Scentcrusher.com, the Room Clean, the Ozone Go Max. It's ozone for hunters. Applied. Basically, they took ozone and that scent elimination process through science, so you can't argue with it, and made it easy for hunters to apply to the game of hunting. Um, From the bag where you put all your clothes in, you can run five to 30-minute cycles. The the Ozone Go Max, it's a car unit you plug into your car and it runs ozone into your vehicle to kill the scent. So if you fill up with gas and you're worried about that smell, some people do, some people don't, plug that in and you shouldn't have to worry about it. Uh, they got the soaps, the sprays, the totes, um, the travel closet, the regular closet. They have it all covered for you. Um, check them out, scentcrusher.com. Also, HHA Sports, hhasports.com. They are the leader in single pen sites. From the Optimizer Kingpin, Fixed Position, and Dovetail. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm shooting the mm-hmm. Fixed Position this year, but last year I shot the Dovetail. You shooting the Fixed Position? I always forget this, yeah. Doug. The Fixed Position? Yeah. You always forget the name of your site, too, yeah, just said. And yeah, Tank's but, shooting the Fixed Position yeah, as well. Yeah, Fixed Position for me. And then we're the only original crew in here. We got three guests in here looking at us like we're idiots because you guys may or may not shoot. Ross isn't a single pin believer, which is sad, so that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> He's over here just uh, not shooting American-made sites that support our veterans. Jesus it's fine, Ross. though. <laughs> you do what you want, though, man. I mean, I'm not yeah, saying you do you, but they're, they're just made locally here in the Midwest. So, mm. I mean, it's up to you, man. The <laughs> land of good beer and, yeah, and, and hospitality and cheese. Heavy. <laughs> heavy. Ross is blushing. Uh, check out HHASports.com. Also, if you want to know a little bit about the people behind HHA, our latest Carbon TV episode is up on CarbonTV.com with Scott Bakken, the, the big dog behind HHA. Um, we talk about his 20-day Alaskan basically dropped him off and said, see you in 20 days. Hopefully you survive. And yeah. picked him back Hopefully up after. Dead. <laughs> so uh, check out HHASports.com. Uh, love, love everything they're doing. 
Elite Archery. That's something everyone in the studio right now has in common. Let's do a roundtable here. Let's start to my left. Ross, since I picked on you, we'll start with you first. Option six. Austin? Still with the tempo. Tempo. Ritual. Ritual. Ritual over here in the unit. Um, I'm shooting the Working Class Bowhunter Edition Ritual. Oh, wow. I am too. Wow. That's special. It is. I actually have to see that before I leave. Oh, yeah, you do. You haven't yeah. seen it in person. No, I haven't. It's you seen it behind a mule deer, didn't you? I did. I did see it behind a mule deer, but right. the, the mustache was taken away from it. <laughs> yeah. That's my I didn't bad. really That's notice. Yeah. It's hard to see the detail on a good bow when you got just this furry, like, cookie duster just hanging over yeah. it. It's, just, it's a little distracting, I guess. <laughs> did Doug get a squirrel? <laughs> <laughs> He's had that mustache since you're, like, six, haven't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's a legend, man. It's a legend that'll never die. <laughs> uh, Elite Archer is going to love this plug. No, we yeah, we yeah. love our bows. Um, we've shot our whole crew has everything from the Spirit, the Impulse, Synergy E thirty five, all the way to the Ritual. And the new bows are are they announcing them this month? I saw a teaser with Philip Vanderpool yeah, online. I saw that yeah. too. They didn't yeah. fill us in on the deets. I no. think they're teasing the new twenty nineteen models. Yeah. yeah, I don't know when it'll launch, but. That's exciting. Sure. The thing is, I don't get how it gets better than the ritual. You know what either. I mean? I don't we said that about the options six and seven and the tempo too, but then they come out with the ritual. So, Well, that's why I said I had the synergy, and I thought I still think the synergy is one of the best bows ever made. And the E35 is in that same yep. year of release of the synergy. And I think the the E series, we talk about this a lot, the E series is what put a lead on the map, I think. Uh, put it on the map like this is some serious game-changing feel and just shootability in a bow. And I don't know. I'm excited what they do. If it'll be Ri- riser cage. That was the riser cage. Yeah. Yep. E35. And plus, it's such a simplistic look, like that whole the spirit, the E32, the 35, the synergy, even the tempo still has that same E series related riser. That just is a good classic look of a bow. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. Something yep. that's so simple that it's attractive. Yep. For sure. I liked it. But it'll be curious to see if they do, they still are releasing new. Um, solid limbos. I, I mean, I know they're going to stick with split limb, I would imagine. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It's exciting. Yeah. But if you haven't shot an Elite, go to your local dealer. If not, go on their website and you can find a local dealer. Uh, tell them we sent you. So check out EliteArchery.com. Let's get on with the episode. I'm Chase Rolson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Munson from Ball Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from The Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like working class bow hunter. Hey, this is Jules McQueen, and you are listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. It's really, really not that good. Good, 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 good. Alright guys, welcome to episode 250 
250 or if you're from the urban area 250 50. 50. 250 <laughs> so this is a milestone steve's not here too we're gonna talk about some shit and get or some eric. shit done eric's not here that's kind of sad yeah. man he'll be back Jeez. eric decided to move homes during hunting season which kind of doesn't make any sense to me into a honeymoon Dude. Yeah, in October. <clears throat> Idiot. What a, what a crazy guy. Yeesh. In the studio right now for two fifty. We're hopefully gonna learn you a thing or two. We have Clark Cummings in the in the building. Hello. Thank you for coming back. Thanks for having me. Austin Chandler. What's up, guys? Ross Bigger. How's it going? Intern Tanks in here as well. Hey, I'm here. Doug, <laughs> the mustache Schmidt. Miss Cleo. Howdy. <laughs> <laughs> We're all in here. This is a, a packed house. Thanks guys for coming. Appreciate you. Thanks for having us. Well, let's start it off with a veteran shout-out real quick. And Steve did forward this over. Remember Steve, guys? He says he'll be back in two weeks. So he forwarded this. All the veteran shout-outs go to Steve. Uh, We're transforming this from a veteran shout-out to just a military shout-out. So everyone's included. Uh, Garrett Benner from the Modern Assassin submitted this for Andrew Walter. uh, Branch Army National Guard. Um, He's the owner of Wild Edge, Inc., Stepladder. We've had them on the podcast before. Uh, so big shout out to Andrew. Uh, Army National Guard, 31 Bravo Military Police, Fort Leonard Wood, six years active, currently still serving and active. So awesome. Thank you, Andrew, for your service, man. We appreciate you. We got to get him on another podcast. He yep. was an awesome guy. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. If you want to submit a veteran shout out, workingclassbowhunter.com. Boom. All right, fellas, let's <laughs> cut into it, man. What's been yeah. new? What's changed since last time? I don't even remember last oh, time. It's been a while. We tend to get rowdy when we all get together, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> last time, for sure. <laughs> I don't remember last time. <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> limos and zoot suits. <laughs> yeah, limos. Uh, man, get a guy, get a high school kid to drive you around in a Hawaiian t-shirt, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we'll reroute next time we do that, huh? <laughs> well, it's middle of October officially. It's the 17th, the day of recording this. Um, I've killed a, a good buck on the 17th of October, so it's an anniversary date for me. Do you guys remember days you kill big bucks, the dates? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, quite a few. You do remember them? Yeah. Not all of them, but a lot. Yeah? I remember all of them. Maybe I just don't kill as many. <laughs> yeah. That might be it, because I, I remember all mine, too. Uh, I had a 15 and a 19. Those are my two earliest October bucks. Okay, let me ask you guys this, too, and I've made my case. We'll start with this. We have some social media questions. are, But the goal I want to get across with, with this episode is I want someone to be able to listen to this and have a better idea on how to kill a buck in October now and up until the rut or just get them in the right direction to be prepared for the rut if, if not kill one in October still. And rut, rut, I'm just calling rut November 1st throughout, even though it, it does happen before. I'm generalizing there for the sake of listeners, I guess. Maybe I shouldn't do that. I don't know yet. Um, what I was going to ask is, do you guys, right now the juries are calling this the the October lull phase is what yep. we just stepped into. By the 15th of October, I think, yeah. is when they transfer to that. Phase mm-hmm. three. And I know some of you guys, that's a debatable topic. I say people experience October lull if your property isn't big enough to allow you to hunt the pattern change of what people call the air quote October lull. Let's just. I want to start with Clark first. And we'll kind of roundtable with you guys. What What do you think of the October low? Do you think that's a thing, or, or what's your opinion on it? I think that it is a thing. Okay. Um, I just judging by past experiences and uh, trail cameras, especially. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know about you guys, but my trail cameras went pretty dead for yep. 10, 15 days. And have year after year. Yeah, year after year, exactly. And that's that's something that I've noticed uh, the the overall hunting experience. If you catch a good cold front, you can still have a good hunt. So to say that it it's totally dead and you can't kill anything, I, I wouldn't go that far. Right. But I think it's definitely a suppressed movement that you're just going to you're going to have to deal with for a little while and somewhere around the 22nd, 23rd of October things start to heat up pretty good especially if you can catch them cold fronts. Mhm. For sure. What what do you guys think, Austin? I read uh Clint's post on Facebook the other day and he's calling out BS on the lull and he had a lot of things that I agreed with. Um paying attention to how they move food sources in the early season is key. Mm-hmm. If you can keep an eye on the food sources and keep up with the deer as they change, you're going to you might get a look at a big buck in the early season. If you have had eyes on a deer, you've got him figured out, you can be successful in the early season, like mm-hmm. the first 2 weeks. But I'm with I'm with you. I think the 25th on is when I really start I'll start morning setting. I like that around the 25th and on. So Okay. Yeah. Ross? Uh, I'd agree. Uh, that, that 25th on is, is getting pretty good. Those bucks are hitting the scrapes. You're starting to see more activity. Um, it seems like you get a lot of nice three-year-olds and four-year-olds. You, they start popping up, uh, hitting the cameras, hitting the scrapes. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like to me uh, there was a, there's a pretty good chance of seeing a good one like uh adam hayes follows the red moon Mm -hmm. well that red moon just the other night well friday night i guess this is wednesday so last friday night uh (laughs) it rained up until like 5 30 and i didn't want to get in the tree i just called it off for the night i'm like i'll just scout and uh saw a really good one nose and does around Mm -hmm. um which whatever date that was yeah something like that i yeah i got a text message in the stand of it (laughs) okay yeah right (laughs) so uh, that, you know, you could see big ones uh, around that time during a moon phase. If the phase is right, then, yeah, you can get out there and get on them. Food source, all that plays into effect. But mm-hmm. um, for me, year after year, you don't really see the great big ones getting on their feet during the daylight or doing a lot of moving mm-hmm. until that November. I, I have, I've had more encounters, <laughs> never killed, but I, I've had a lot of encounters and misses uh, on october 30th that seems to be one of my hot days i like i like 29 30 31 seems like one two three four five are almost dead and then it fires up again mm-hmm. six seven on you know on past that so right, right. i you're missing all the good days ross i know well <laughs> it just it, it, honestly it comes down to how you stand location food source and and uh it's your individual you property is a lot too you know right. i think people generalize a lot when they give out tips and tactics and stuff which is kind of the reason why i hate a lot of uh a lot of like the media when it comes to telling people how to hunt especially guys that are looking at information (laughs) like this for useful advice to apply to their area basically bottom line is nothing sacred Mm -hmm. and you know i do think there is an october lull and there's a lot of guys that i've say this a lot that I reference these guys that say this, and I'm not talking about one person. I'm talking about there's a, a, a group of people in this industry and in the media that can say that the October lull is bullshit and you don't know how to pattern deer. I I think I agree with you. I agree with everything you guys said. I think now in this phase of October we're in, I think deer are on to like acorns and yep. 
mm-hmm. greens are moving less and yeah. they're yeah. probably in the timber moving a lot less that's why yep. you're not getting them on your choke cameras and you're not seeing them which they're, is why it's tough to hunt mornings right now mm-hmm. because they're in the timbers they're bedding close to where they're feeding they're not they don't got to go far to to survive really at this point mm-hmm. it's just a it's a more fragile time of year if you're wanting to make a more aggressive move yeah, i think you, later if you're looking at percentages i think we can probably all agree that you're probably smarter if you don't have a good beat on a deer to just go ahead and park it and be patient and wait on that yeah 25th mm-hmm. and yeah, on and i think that's what yep. we're all doing right now is just holding, yeah let holding your, uh, your cameras do the talking yeah mm-hmm. if i was on one i'd go hunting mm-hmm. no doubt and i, I yeah. wouldn't care what time of year it is but uh I think, like you said, Kurt, that the drawing power of acorns is a lot of times people underestimate yeah. how much that really pulls deer, and it changes their movement. So you may not get the the pictures on your food plots and yeah. out in the corn stalks and so on. Because a lot of guys that are saying this, uh, which is weird too, a lot of guys that say there's no October lull, but then also preach like this big football game plan to get in there and kill a buck, are also the same guys that'll tell you to live off your trail cameras too which i 100 percent agree with but those guys that are saying that are also telling you to only have your trail cams on fringes so you don't have to go in and pressure your deer <laughs> yeah. well how do you know what your deer are doing and patterning them if all your if they're deep timber but all your it's just kind of to me it's mm-hmm. well what you said doesn't add yeah. up really because it's, t- it's tough to hunt deer on acorns if you want to walk in and blow your spot up that's fine but i really don't want to i'd rather just let them feed on the acorns in the timber and leave them alone and then when they start Right. coming out to the fringe then that's when i'll make my move okay yeah. i gotta i gotta throw this too because this is also a thing that's being discussed now in media lately especially with, with just it, it this is a media hungry type of hunting community people are hungry for more knowledge all the time a lot of guys are saying clark we talked about this on the phone the other day uh, that you can't kill a big buck on field edges because thermals and whatever and, and it all depends on the lay of your land and big bucks just don't do that and uh, what do you guys say to those guys that are that are kind of harping that uh, scenario? I guess we'll start with Clark. Um, I say that there's times of the year that that's right, but overall, I I, I disagree. Uh, maybe it's because where we're hunting right here, the pressure isn't quite as high. Mm-hmm. But I don't know about you guys. I've seen some giant deer right in daylight hours on the edge of fields and so to say that it doesn't happen i prefer a field edge i love yeah. it yeah field yeah. edges are good i mean mm-hmm. i'll hunt fringes or, or field edges but either one a lot uh, a lot of transition zones and so on but during this time of year i think you need to be to the food source and a lot of our food sources are the fields so yeah uh, and a lot of the cover is real tight so i mean you can't mm-hmm. get real deep into the cover right now either because right. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of my the bands that cover I hunt are only two or three hundred yards wide. So to say I'm going to press into the middle of that, every deer is going to know you're in there. Exactly. So, right. mm-hmm. so you got to stay kind of on the edges, and that's why I, I don't hunt acorns a lot. Just like Austin said, it's just uh, too easy to booger them up. It mad. is. Yeah. I mean, it's just a pretty delicate mm-hmm. situation between. It can be effective if you're lucky yeah. enough to sneak in there and not blow everything out. My my earliest buck kill was on the 15th, and he was feeding on acorns. Yeah. But I haven't. That was when I was 17 years old. I haven't killed one on acorns since. Yeah. My That's favorite, interesting. I like those big old oak trees that overhang a bean field or something. Yeah. Dropping acorns heavy right during season, which yeah. you don't find that very often, but I've had some great luck on those. Get a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kinda it's like you're, you're getting best of both worlds right there. And, and you I get guess, to see the whole field 
I mean, if you can get right. on a big field, especially to, near a tree like that, uh, you can see what everybody's doing. I, right. You get like like Clark said, it gets it's so thick in the timber right now. You may go in there and not see a deer, right? Not right. know that you blew everybody out, or it's just so thick you can't see anything. Where yeah. right now, not knowing gathering, that you blew everybody out is a big thing. I'm glad and, you said that, man. And right now, I guess I'm just collecting intel. Anytime I go out. I want to sit the field edge on a big field that I can watch where everybody's coming and going. Yeah. That's some of your best scouting while hunting. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it seems to work out. I've had more, I guess I would cut that all the deer that I've shot in half and say half of them were in the timber, half of them were on a field edge. Right. And that's a big deal to say you guys are big buck killers, man. So for guys that I guess we didn't do this, you guys have been on the podcast a lot. Um, you guys just did, you guys are on episode two of carbon TV, Clark, you're coming up on season two for carbon TV. Uh, we're going to get some, some detailed stuff. We've done a lot of detailed stuff with you guys. Uh, I'm going to just vouch for you guys. So you don't have to do it. These guys are big butt killers. Um, you know, respect the game TV. You guys have all been on, um, you've been on our podcast a bunch. You can go through your, your trophy rooms and see anything from 150 inch deer to up into the 200 inch deers with, with, you guys all combined which is is just go look at their trophy room you guys have the track record so i just got to say that for people that aren't familiar that might tune in because of just what the topic is of this episode but i'm glad that we're talking about all this stuff because i think right now a lot of people that are new to bow hunting or people that haven't killed a big buck yet or haven't learned how to consistently get on big deer and kill big deer i think are strayed too deep initially um by the tactic guys that are like Oh, the thermals and this, and you gotta, <clears throat> you gotta do this and this and this and this and this and this to get in. And I think that that is almost as too much thrown at a newer hunter or a hunter that's trying to mm-hmm. figure out how to kill big bucks on a every year, every other year, every few years basis. And I think that sometimes we have to, as hunters, question certain strategies because maybe that's all too much, and maybe mm-hmm. just step back and be more simplistic about it, yep. and just think more logically about your tactics rather than throwing all this shit into it to be like, it just ends up being too much at the end of it. There's a lot of craze going on right now with the October low on how to strategize and get out there. And, and it's like, get out there, get out there and yep. get out there. Well, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you want to get out there and you want to suck into it, then do it. But I'm, I know what I'm doing and I'm not blowing all my stuff up before mm-hmm. it gets hot. So I'm patiently waiting and, yeah, it can be done, like we've said, but, man, I am I'm, I tell you right now, personally, I'm not, so I'm, yeah. I'm waiting. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with the geography of the, the land that we hunt. Um, just it's it's a lot tighter cover around here, and uh, I think if you don't take a outside-in approach that you're going to wind up bumping your deer way, way ahead of time, and yeah. you start alerting everything to know that it's being hunted before things heat up and you're just kind of being counterproductive so i've used this analogy several times over the last four episodes five episodes probably is we've already weighed in for the fight we're just waiting for the fight now Mm -hmm. yeah you know let's we've we've already done the work let's we for the guys that know you've done it you know what's going on and you're just waiting for the time to go in there and hit the knockout exactly that's really what it boils down to i think but yeah i just worry about because we lately especially um, I think hunting is just more of, a, of an attractive thing to people in general because of like the organic, the meat, like getting it yourself. And I think the tactics and the in-depth rabbit hole of bow hunting is drawing more people in or more people into podcasts because that's where people learn a lot. 
And we've get, been getting a lot of messages from new hunters, which is why I like to cover this stuff. Because I think I just worry about those guys getting so much information thrown at them to where it's just too much. And one, they're going to overwhelm themselves and get thrown in and not be able to learn the proper way because there is like a big bell curve to bow hunting to where it's going to take you some trial and error to where you should at first just go out and have fun Mm -hmm. and learn what you need to do and then kill a deer and then step your way up. And then when you're wanting to kill those 150 plus inch bucks every year, then you can dive in a little deeper if needed if your property calls for that prescription of hunting yeah you know what i mean that brings up a good point too that a lot of this just relates to your particular property you got to take the time to learn your property and uh, and sometimes that's a year-to-year thing because the crop changes and rotations Mm -hmm. and so on so that's another another thing i like about hunting on the outskirts is is you can watch and see where those deer are coming from and you can kind of make that decision that hey maybe now's the time i need to move in he's he's come out there two nights in a row and sometimes you got to move in then because he's not going to be there during the rut. He's probably going to be chasing does somewhere else. So right, right. So uh, hunting mornings. When does that transition for you guys? You said late October. I, I couldn't stand it. The other morning it was so good. I had to go out one morning and it was actually pretty good. It was a conservative stand. I snuck into it uh, last day of the red moon. Thirty-two degrees. Barometer was high. Everything was perfect. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I snuck out and I think I saw six does and two little bucks bumping around. But mm-hmm. I like right. to wait morning hunts, like I said, twenty fifth, third week and on in October. What about I agree with that. That's I would agree with that too. I okay. uh, mornings, but then I as we get farther into October, or November, then I start sleeping in a little I don't I never sleep in, but if I, I start hanging at the house, shoot the bow, jack around a little bit, let the sun come up and then then you got way in and then that's when i'm going deep so i want daylight and i want to ease my way in glass my way in just uh yeah when it gets hot that's uh, and then you'll sit the whole rest of the day so you like mid-morning entry yeah 8 39 o'clock you're working your way in and then you'll sit all day um and kill big bucks at noon right so that's interesting and you've done that on video before so it's uh proof's in the pudding yeah but that's that's interesting though it's so is moon phase something all three of you guys include in your tactics? Because it sounds like, Ross and Austin, you do. Clark, is, is that something you pay attention to a lot? Um, you know, I, I watch it, but personally, I, I mean, I'm going hunting either way. Yeah. Because I'm on vacation and I'm a weekend warrior, so. Right. Like yeah, I don't really else, let so. it dictate what I do, but I pay attention to yeah, it. Yeah, that's kind of the way I am. I mean, I, I like to watch it. and I like to watch um, the barometer more than anything. Yeah. The, yeah, I, I keep an eye on, on pretty much all the key factors. I mean. I'm mm-hmm. a I'm a weather guy. I love cold fronts. Is the yeah. that's, if I say there's one thing that's going to make me go hunting, which it doesn't take much to make me go hunting, right. but it's a <laughs> it's a cold front. I mean, I love the front edge of a cold front, uh, even a day or so after it moves in. But it's right. like uh, well, we talked on the phone uh, last weekend, which would have been what was the date last weekend? Thirteenth, fourteenth ish. Yeah, somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah. That was the we we were talking. I was actually down to hunt, going down to hunt on my property. Um, it was the in it was the coldest and earliest cold front I've seen in October like this in sure. four or five years. Yep, mm-hmm. or so. Yeah, and I a lot of deer died last weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good. lot of deer died. It it just goes to show you it is that is true. It's hard to argue. Cold fronts get big deer moving. I like mm-hmm. when that front rolls through. 
gets all the way through and you get that first sunny day where the barometer is way up there Mm -hmm. i've had a lot of success and you see a lot of big pictures show up that day that's a good day to be out there i've gone back through where i've killed most of my big bucks with a bow and tried to go through weather history and it's almost always been on sunny clear days when Mm -hmm. it's cold high barometer Mm -hmm. high barometer days yeah i agree with that it's just something and, and something about once you've experienced that a couple times, because I know you guys have this feeling. I know everybody in this room right now has this feeling. Once those days hit, something in your internal ticker is you, going, this is, I need to be going. You right walk now. outside and you're yeah. like, I got to get to the stand. Yep. I got to get to the stand. <laughs> you feel that like crispness in the air and just the feel of it. Because that's affecting us too, whether yeah, we like yeah. to think it does or yeah. not. You know, it's that internal. I don't know if it's because we've experienced it. I think it, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. people that don't hunt aren't like, I need to go kill some shit. You <laughs> yeah. know, when they feel that. <laughs> so I, I think we just know it. But uh-huh. th- those are those days that you just walk out. You're like, oh, it, especially if you have to go to work. Like, it feels like deer out oh, here. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah. and usually ah. something dies while you're at work. Yeah, and you see it on <laughs> yeah. Instagram. And yeah. You're like, that motherfucker, and you write in, congrats, bro. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, those yeah, crisp shit. mornings when it's frosty and the sun's uh-huh. coming up, and about the first grunt that rings out through the timber uh, behind you anywhere. Stop, Ross. I'm getting a chub. It just sends chills up your spine and yeah, just oof, it gets you pumped. It's an amazing thing. What else do should we cover here do you think for if someone just is like were to come up to you guys and be like hey i want to try and something that we haven't covered i want to try and kill a buck between now and the end of october before halloween what what would you tell them we can start with wherever or just anybody throw it out something that i do like about october if you're going to go out and hunt and you're going to be mid to later october i like to rattle those deer are just starting to get the itch to fight they're just starting to get aggressive you're going to be the first one to call at them and if they hear it they're going to be curious enough they're not on that doe streak yet they're ready to come in and, and lock up with another buck i really like mid to late october rattling so this weekend coming in um let me check the date because i want people to know like d- date I, the, I killed i killed my only rattle buck on october 19th and he was oh, hotter really? than a firecracker when so he came friday in. this friday is the 19th yep. 20th is saturday mm-hmm. so you'd you'd rattle this weekend mm-hmm. oh yeah Clark, I mean, would you guys go in, go along with that? Do you have the same experience? As far or? as rattling goes? Yeah, as far as rattling. Yeah, the way I rattle, and um, I know I've hunted with Ross a lot of times, the way I rattle is probably different than the way other people rattle. I don't really get real crazy with my rattling. I, I'm more, uh, I want them to hear it and kind of wonder if it's rattling. Oh, okay. Wonder if it's Get the curiosity. Buck, yeah, so I'm doing more uh, a click, 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 just, just kind of, the bucks you a big buck when they lock horns they they really don't do a lot of that hardcore Head beating shake. the antlers yeah it's yeah. just more pushing and then you'll hear the click now and then and that's kind of right, right i'll do that that kind of more subtle clicking and i love it in october just like austin said it um, that's okay. that's my own personal so you're style. not beating beams off each other no i don't that's I, interesting. I hardly ever do the only reason i would ever do that personally is if i see a buck He's so far out that yeah. yeah he's got to hear it yeah if i just can't reach him with little clicks or a grunt then i'll hammer them horns at least to grab his attention then you can then you can tone it down mm-hmm. i try to kind of rattle in a series too my first series i'll throw on a be light like you say just a couple clicks 
wait a half hour, 45 minutes, get a little more aggressive with it. And if you got a buck that's bedded up on a three ridges away and he doesn't hear it till that last one, when you really smash him, sometimes it'll get him up and get him looking. Yeah. So blind calling. That's what I was going to say. Blind calling is what they're talking about yep. right now. Yeah. Okay. So you guys, there's guys, I hear guys say, I don't ever blind call and that's grunt and rattle. And there's guys I don't that, I don't grunt because they're going to be close when they hear that. But I'm calling the deer that are further out, and I'm doing it in an area where it's thick enough that they can't see what's going on, so they have to come in to check it out. Come in and investigate. And okay. with big hills, if you're hunting on tops of hills, which is usually best, I've found best. If you're going to be rattling right on top of a ridge, and they've got to come up over to see what's going on, it's tough. If you're in a flat bottom that's pretty open, and you go crashing your arms together with your antlers waving in the air, that's they're gonna see that from a long ways off, so yeah, right. you so want to make them you make them come right to the tree, get on top of a hill, ridge top, and catch them right. checking. Because it's rare that a white, in my opinion, it's rare that a whitetail is gonna come in completely blind sprinting in. Right. I think he'll stop, check it out. If he can't see, then he comes in. Yeah, and you know that the other thing, people, a lot of times I don't even think they realize that they rattled a buck in because it comes in 15 minutes after you rattled. Downwind. Matter of fact, yeah, yeah. Last time I was with Ross and we shot a buck, that was the situation. We we did some some blind calling. Um, felt like there should be some deer in this thicket we were at, and about the time you think, okay, apparently there's nothing here. All of a sudden he shows up and he was looking. He knew something was there. Yep. And I guarantee he the whole time was just taking a couple steps and really surveying that whole situation. And that was kind of a flatter bottom that he come from yeah. too. So he was he was easing into it. Yep. You know. Isn't that amazing, man? They hear that and they know like I'm gonna go check it out, but I don't trust it. Yeah, exactly. That's mm-hmm. so crazy to me that a deer I think that's the thing that sucks about people who don't hunt is they'll never know the like the thought process of that. Because you imagine what that's got to be like as a deer. If you hear fight and you're like, oh, I'm going to go check it out, but <laughs> I'm going to go real slow because I don't know if that's a real so yeah. two motherfuckers over there actually yeah. or if it's going to be some respect the game motherfuckers in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like That's crazy to me to think that. I don't know. Am I the only one that thinks like that? I just to me that's no, mind blowing. No, you're on. I I do. I remember. You know, little, it's nuts. I remember when I was little. I was I was walking next to my dad, shotgun hunting. Uh, I think I was 12, and we went walking by a, an old deer stand, and he looked up that stand. He said, "See that?" I said, "Yeah." He said, uh, "Just think, if a deer was sitting in that deer stand, how long that deer had to sit there." And wait till we walk by. <laughs> oh. Whoa, that's a cool way to look at that. Yeah, I thought, holy smokes. I never thought of it like that. He goes, huh? Something to think about. That is. That's pretty deep. Dude, that is deep. I smoked a lot of weed in college, man. <laughs> <laughs> and that is deep. <laughs> if you have told you that while you're high, boom. I don't know, just like, boom. Whoa. Mind exploding. <laughs> but, but honestly, that might have been a turning point for you and how you thought about deer hunting. That's. I think it sparked it big time for me. Because my dad taught, I mean, my dad started me hunting, uh, and I hunted shotgun and killed my first deer the first, uh, second year I ever hunted. And um, and it was a nice eight-pointer, and that got me hooked. Yeah, my dad never bow hunted, but um, my uncle did, and cousin did, and I got into it. And, and I, they, well, my cousin gave me a bow, and then from there on out, I just, well, I was hooked. So I kind of got myself into it, but it was that learning, learning curve. So room wasn't built in a day. You can't learn everything right. in the first year or listen to everything that everybody says. You almost just got to be out there, Good experience learn a piece of the ground that you're hunting, and over the years, you're you're going to gain all this knowledge and be able to 
say i know this is how i want to go out and mm-hmm. kill a big one and that goes so. back to like what i was saying earlier with like newer hunters or guys that are trying to get consistent with it it takes a lot of years to mess up on big deer mm-hmm. to figure out like mm-hmm. well i'm not gonna do that again and even then like i'm st- i've killed some big deer and not i've i've killed i feel like i'm just touching the point where you guys are at i feel like i'm on that brink of getting into that next tier um which is exciting for me because it just pushes you further as a hunter. I have that internal drive to just be better and learn, keep learning. If you ever think you know it all, then just stop because you are you don't. Yeah. Or you just need that humble pie and you need yeah. to be checked a little bit, <laughs> um, which it will happen, yeah, I promise you. Um, yeah, just go hunting for about a week and you'll you'll taste humble pie sooner than later. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing <laughs> is, like, if you're not Bill Winky, you, you've got a ways to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. It's the thing is, you'll never know it all, too. Like, Bill Winka still gets schooled on a yearly oh, yeah. basis, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. something like Steve is our new bow hunter here at Working Class Bow Hunter. If you're new to the podcast, Steve's on second shift to be back. But Steve, literally, this is 250 episodes. Steve's been here for almost every one of them. We've interviewed some of the best whitetail hunters on the planet. And Steve is just still learning. And I told him, like, you'll learn it, man, but you kind of won't full well you won't fully learn it until you go through that experience like mm-hmm. you know a big buckle check me every year and i'm like well, fuck you're never yeah. done no. learning it no you know i think the best thing when i listen to a podcast or watch a a jury dvd or something what i like the best is is when i hear something it either reassures a theory that i've already developed or tweaks it it might make my mind think a little bit differently but you get you still got to get out and actually have that experience for yourself to to match that mm-hmm. up before you really register what's going on and what people are talking about for sure for sure yeah. well i do consider you guys being in that top tier of whitetail hunters you guys are the three guys i think of when i'm like guys i look up to as big time like whitetail killers which is why i try to have you guys on at the same Easy. time like this you're putting a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah but the thing is though like but if you don't kill one that's just the way it is yeah. this year you, you know? have to be happy going home empty-handed when you're chasing the caliber of deer that we do i mean when, yeah. when exactly. you're looking at 150s you have to be happy not tagging out mm-hmm. yeah and and I love your saying, which I'll announce it now. We got a, another pre-order shirt coming. Hang and bang pre-orders are coming back for everyone that's been messaging because there's been a lot on there. But we have a you did you said a quote. You don't just trip into a 150. And we have a badass graphic, and we're making a T-shirt over the. <laughs> you don't just trip into a 150. So it's an awesome graphic. Have you guys seen it yet? Mm-hmm. Clark, have you seen it? No, I have not. Okay, I got it right here. I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up right. Oh man. Okay, here it is. <clears throat> it's so, not going to be a household hang and bang, but it's, it's uh, that's going to be a tough. It's one a to great talk. graphic because it kind of looks like a tall, lanky dude like Austin Little. <laughs> it looks like Austin when he would come out of the limo that night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. He's got the jacket on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you can't trip into a one fifty. You notice that's your buck. I'll be damned. It is my buck. I don't know if it is exactly. It's I told got, it got a little drop tine on the one side there. Yeah. Yep. I told Jordan, I said, try and make that look like Austin's buck. So. <laughs> that's Sweet. pretty awesome. So that's coming soon. You guys will see that here before too long here. But um, what I wanted to ask is, what do you think, if you guys had the turning point that pushed you to that next level of where I was like, you know, buttering your biscuits, where I said you were at, what was the turning point or what was that one thing, if there was, where you're like, oh, okay. And it pushed you to that next tier of whitetail hunter. Uh, for me, I guess, there was never a, 
uh, switch like that. You were just there at one point? Yeah, right. No. Or you probably don't even feel like you're there. I'm just buttering you up like you are there. Yeah, but. I feel like it's every every year you learn something new. Um, but I would say, I, I would argue that what your dad said to you was like a, a, oh, yeah, a big I mean, factor into that. Yeah, and then I got the taste of bow hunting, and then I started applying. <laughs> oh, man, I'll never forget the first time I ever used Mrs. Dope, or no, it was just Dopey. Tink's Dopey. Tink 69? Tink's Tink just Dopey. Oh, I just bought a bottle at Farm King, and I dribbled it on a little branch, and I climbed up my little homemade wooden ladder stand, and I was like 12 feet off the ground. <laughs> thought I was a mile up. And, <laughs> You're uh, all nervous. <laughs> I think I was 14 or 15, and uh, yeah, it's a little basket rack. Come running right in, and... 20 yards away and stuck his nose right on that little branch that i put it on like he just ran all the way across the field just to smell that and i thought holy smokes this stuff's gonna this works <laughs> and anyways but uh yeah so i started learning right there and it kind of sparked something for me but uh i don't know i can't really put my finger on one switch that flipped i just little sparks along the way just kept getting yeah. bigger and bigger and i'd build a fire and now i'm i just can't live without it so it makes sense yeah. yeah there was a turning point for me i i started out with a really good archery deer for my first buck and i was immediately hooked but i went through i shot a couple nice deer in high school and then i went through college for four years and i didn't shoot anything and in 09 i had an encounter with a deer that i had known for a couple of years and i got to kill him in mid-december mm-hmm. and i'm like this is so important to me that i'm just going to dedicate everything to this and from 2010 on i pretty much if i i make the time to live in the tree i just dedicate my entire life in the fall to being in a tree stand so that that one kill in 09 was a big turning point for me that's cool clark now is the question turning point for just uh, the passion for bow hunting or is it for trophy bucks only i mean what do let's we... go both let's go both because i think those okay. are both important to talk about because you guys okay. is, it sounds like your guys is kind of all blended into one mm-hmm. it's like ross's was more of a gradual climb yours was kind of like a realization i feel austin yeah so yeah okay, i'd be so, interested to hear both so my first my first memories that really intrigued me with deer in general was my dad was a he he liked to deer hunt, but mm-hmm. he was a small game hunter. He loved to squirrel and rabbit hunt. So he would tell me his deer hunting stories, mm-hmm. and then while we were out rabbit hunting or squirrel hunting or whatever, he would also be telling me, well, this is where I was sitting at one time, and I'd, like, visualize this deer that he's talking about coming up, and then he talks about this big buck, which probably wasn't that big at the time. But All right. He, he described it as a big buck, and he – he actually showed me the spot where he's sitting on this old log and he shot at the buck and he hit a little sapling and the sapling actually folded over and he told me about that so so mm-hmm. i'm i'm watching and i look and i go over to where he's pointing and i found that sapling where it hinged over where he shot oh, oh shit <laughs> and he said i missed that buck here well we kept rabbit hunting and we found that buck he actually did hit it and didn't realize Whoa. he hit it and he's like that was him and it was it was a nice rack and i just thought that was the coolest thing and and back this was back in the kind of aging myself here back in the 80s and uh whoa that's crazy yeah i mean i was 10 years old or something and and just to watch that and then still have it no we we actually left the rack there because we didn't have a saw or anything it was attached and he said we'll come back and get it and we came back to get it it was gone oh somebody had already found it so 
so that was kind of a bummer that his buck was gone but i mean and this was it would have been eaten up completely it was later in the winter mm-hmm. but during that same time frame i don't think it was the same day we were we were going and uh, we was on walking on the edge of this cattle pasture with these tall fences and here comes this this nice buck probably a year and a half at the time but it seemed huge to me right and i dad's like oh look there's a buck and it comes trotting across the field and i watched it clear that fence and something about that moment just like grabbed me it's like i'm a deer hunter i don't care what any i mean the rabbits are fun don't get me wrong but i I like (laughs) so that's all i could Uh think about and i just beg him to take me deer hunting and then it just kind of morphed into a bigger thing for me i mean i just kept following him around and doing that stuff but as far as trophy i'd say what really turned me um Oh, probably in the mid '90s, shortly after I graduated high school, I I shot a 157 inch buck, I think it was, and <laughs> I rattled him in. And from that point, I'd shot a few bucks with my bow. They were all basket racks, uh, but when I shot that big one, and I went down and put my hands on him, is like okay, fired something up. Yeah, it's like I couldn't go backwards from there. I was like, yeah, right. yeah, just that feeling. <laughs> I had to stick with that. So I then it's, it's trying to figure out how to keep doing that again. So lots right. of years of trial and error, and then you just get better. I mean, just kind of follow your passion mm-hmm. and just yeah, and the rush as you go. Yeah. And the rush of watching a big one come in. Yeah, oh, yeah, uh-huh. you it's get crazy. hooked on that. It's yeah. such a crazy feel. It I hooks think you quick. Oh nine was a changing point for me. Is I killed. He wasn't like a high scoring deer. He's a big mature buck. He's like, he's in my kitchen now. I got the skull plate going. He's one side is like all busted off, but he was just an old stud deer. And I feel like that was like the first year. I remember being in hunting camp. Like, man, I just want to kill a big mature buck. And two guys I looked up to have talked about before. One was the Pope and Young Measure, which got me into it. And he's like, dude, if you just put your time in and play it smart, it'll happen. And he's like, it will happen. I tell you. And I just like you said i kind of had that thought like i have to dedicate time to do this and then i realized like it doesn't just happen like you don't just trip yeah. into a 150 yeah. which is why i think maybe i love that saying so much but i just went after it and uh-huh. uh put all my time into it and i killed that buck like november 12th or something and i was in a uh oh clark you'll know this one man <sighs> the stands with the chain and they uh they had they had like the plastic base Fuck, what's the name? I gave Tank, you gave you those for... Yeah, I know. They're actually pretty sweet. They're really light, and they have one chain at the top, and they have the little metal seat with Uh the little foam pad on it. It just, like, the seat kind of just, like, folds out. Some of them have the cloth seat that folds out, and some have the little metal seat with the foam pad. A wooden platform? No, they're not wood. They're all aluminum. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's got the, uh, like, the seat's cloth up on top. Yep, some of them are cloth. Some have just a little tiny metal seat, and it's just one chain that loops around two hooks. I think I still have a couple of those. It's killing me. Were they APIs? No, it's like a baby gorilla. A beagle? <laughs> no, I can't remember. Someone posted something about them. Like anybody remember these? And it I was like they were like an old API, but mm-hmm. maybe they weren't. It yeah. might be. Oh, it's trying to the platform is just like a triangle. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a triangle. Like nothing. Some of them have a plastic platform on them. Some have like a mesh, but they're the same brand. Oh, oh shit! What that be? They're, I probably so light. You a hundred percent would know if you remember yeah. the trail timer, Clark. You have. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe I can't think of this because the trail oh timer. Oh my god! See, I there's can like, think of my earliest line. ones were like an invader. That's what I started out of was an invader. The stand. Uh, yeah, it was well, a. Let me pull that up. It was a the old Google. A portable. It had a chain, and it was the triangle platform. Oh, like you're talking. Maybe that's that, what that. it is. Yeah, it has to be that. But I but saying. I don't remember the plastic on it. That's the only thing I can't think. of. Mine didn't have plastic. Yeah, it had like a cloth top on it. 
it was almost like a vinyl material to see mine were like a vinyl material it had the big foam around the bar um I just typed in Vader tree stand online, and there's nothing on here. Yeah, they were like, they were like ahead of their time. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe how well that chain. I've still works, got. Though. I've still got oh, one yeah. or two. The of chain them. digs in. I wish they still made them with chains. <laughs> I like threw no it on kidding. a tree. I'm like, this thing's gonna be so loud, and it just like sank in. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's nice. Man, I just, I've still got my invaders. <laughs> I mean, I've been using them since probably 1993 uh-huh. you'll have to send yeah. me a picture of them because i bet yeah. you they're the same stands oh, i would imagine uh um, well, then api was kind of the big popular one that had like the square bar uh um, yeah. platform and you used like a t-handled screw that you <laughs> i bought a couple of those off yeah. facebook the a uh, few weeks ago um man i typed an old tree stand just to see if one would pop up that's still a brilliant idea to have that T-handle to put in first yeah. and then yep. just set the stand right it on it. Yeah. Cool. I like mine, but I pulled it down because it was the. it's like almost so light that it's loud. It like pops and creaks. So I think that's the stand I'm talking about was that API that has the T-handle yep. thing. Yeah. It's like a rubberized and you slide it on the little yep. notch out. Yep. Yeah. And the platform's pretty big. Yeah. I have, yeah, I'll show you after this podcast. I have one in my truck right now. Literally, <laughs> it's in my in the bed of my truck. Just <laughs> drill a hole in it and spray yeah. it full of great stuff. What happened is I had it. I was hunting out of it. A big. I'm going to actually. That's the yep. plan. Yep. I had it in the tree. A big buck came in and caught me, and I took it down and moved a stand. But I hung a lone wolf up. Took the API down. It was loud because I stood up. I'm like, I would have heard me if I would have got a shot. It was pop, 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 creaking. Oh really? I'm just gonna pump her full of great stuff. <laughs> I so, did that to my summit climber. I filled it full of foam because it was real tingy. Well, some ended up the next couple years ended up coming out with something like that. I don't know. I haven't checked into it anyway they, someone they it. email us if you know what tree stands we're talking about kind of vague but if you know you know damn it clark i can't believe i can't think of that i usually know all that uh, stuff. you'll 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 shit when you see it. you'll be like ah that's what it was i know that's what you'll do <laughs> but anyway i killed my big buck in 09 my first like mature big buck out of one of those and it was painted bright red for some reason and i remember the paint was all chipping off of it, it as it was aluminum and i shot that buck and then that was like the turning point for me where like well, this is the effort it takes to kill a big deer, and if I want to keep doing this, I have to put this amount of effort in. Before, it was like half effort. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just didn't realize what it took yeah. to to go after it. Well, it almost felt unattainable. You know, you do it once or twice, and then you wait three or four years before it happens again. You're like, I just got lucky. It's never going to – I'm never going to see another – have another opportunity like that. But once you start figuring them out, it's it takes some time, but you can make it happen. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the biggest things you got to believe in what you're doing and and just be persistent. Yep. I mean, I think that's the biggest key. Everybody wants to talk about all the different tactics, but I think persistence is mm-hmm. is the biggest thing. You just got to stick with it and, and keep doing what yeah. you believe and in. Time you got to yeah. yeah. you got to put the time. Put the time. In. In. If you just go every weekend, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. I remember a few years back, I was actually counting my hunts, and it was my 57th hunt of the year that I killed my buck. Damn. See, I, I think people. That's some simplistic. Just it's not simple because you got to put your time in. But put your time in, really. Yeah. yeah. Just go. Yeah. Yep. Be there, and you'll learn a lot in that in that amount of time about I'll everything in your sure. Kind I'll of a, double, a game. Kind of a double edged sword. You have to have enough spots to rotate and keep yeah, your spots right. fresh too. Yeah. When you hunt that much like we do, you have to you yeah. have to have a lot of stands Spread to keep in a rotation. Yeah. I've got a lot of stands. That that's one thing that helps a lot. Yeah. It would be harder to do that if you only had. A 10 or 20 acre place to hunt right yeah 
That's why Doug calls me Kurt Hanging Stands guy. Or <laughs> I'm a fucking nut. You moved dude. that one stand already. <laughs> Did I'm, you? I, yeah, I moved. Just, I moved three, two stands already. Kurt, you got to get in. I, I'm, I've got mine on the way. The saddle hunting. I think that's going to be the wave of the future. Yep. I should have a couple in the mail right now. All right, yeah. you're, you're kidding. I have you better. You I have do. them, or you should have them. They're sending me some. Oh, yeah. perfect. We're, we're we have a podcast in route. Yeah, and uh, I'm just waiting for them to come in the mail. Perfect. I want to try that. If I, well, not that it wouldn't work good for filming too, but if I was back to solo hunting, I would definitely have a saddle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be a great tactic. We've got some buddies that are so. whitetail gods, and they told us they said it's going to change the way you hunt. Yep, I, I'm looking forward to that. I have some concerns. We talked about this, I think, last episode. Yep, um, but I'm stoked for it because I went and hunted a spot where. I'm going to probably stay out of it now for a while, um, but it's there's other spots over there. Where I'm like, I don't have a stand over there. Oh, a saddle be nice because my yep. plan is hang sticks, stand on top of the sticks with the saddle. Yeah, yeah, and then rock it. You know, You're just throwing in ten pegs and popping the pegs. You in want, and take, you want about an eight yeah. to ten inch tree. You don't yeah. want anything bigger. Yeah, because you wouldn't be able to get around it. That and you got it. I mean. It's sitting between your legs the whole time you're there. Yeah, a lot and of guys wearing knee pads, but I don't know, man. I think to me, I'm not there to be comfortable. I'm there to kill a big deer, so I'll suffer through some suck. Yeah, to kill a deer, <laughs> you know, like I'm just gonna be out there. Like I'll just scurry up it probably and sit there and try and make it happen. I, I'm excited to try it. I, I really too. am. Yeah, yeah. it's. A, I joked around and said last time the saddle community is kind of like a gang. Oh, they're like <laughs> join us i'm ready to join i want to try it i want to earn my patch yeah <laughs> one of us one of yeah. us <laughs> it's like oh damn i think the mobility that was one of my very favorite things mm-hmm. uh pre-filming it's it's harder when you got a camera guy and a a bunch of extra gear but i loved if i seen a deer i would move immediately i mm-hmm. mean not i'm not talking hop out of the tree and go after him but I, but before my next sit I'd be packing my lone wolf or mm-hmm. or something in there, and I'd climb the the tree where I thought I could kill him. I wouldn't I wouldn't just sit there and say, "Well, I hope he comes by this tree next time." Right. Yeah. I mean, if I felt like he was doing something and I could see the reason why he did it, I was moving. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's where the saddle would be great. Hang and bang. Hang yeah. and bang. Hang and bang. And yeah. Lots of hanging and lots of banging. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people too are scared to put that effort in because it's mm-hmm. too much work yeah and i think that's I a big thing work, how bad though. do you want it how bad do you want well, it? well the stand's kind of the biggest pain in the ass of the whole effort though so yeah, if you can right. wear your harness in yep. and you're connected to the tree the whole time and it's quiet it's taken all the hard work out of the stand yeah. thing I, is too though is that's how papa dave killed all his big deer my dad was hot for i mean he still is but he my dad's almost 60 so but what's funny is my dad used to kill all his deer with a climber he had a $40 River's Edge climber. He got on sale after season at Walmart. He killed his 190-inch out of it. He killed some 160s out of it. He killed a lot of big deer with that climber. Well, he kind of fell out of it, and uh, which makes me sad. He left it on a tree on some public ground up north, uh, northern Illinois. I'm like, why'd you do that? Someone else has that stand now. <laughs> like, that thing had so many big bucks, like, fall to yeah. it. Like, I would have loved to just hang that up so in the did studio. So did it, like, come down the tree on him or what? No, he just left at the base, and he was going to go he, back. You said he fell out. You said he fell out of it. Oh no, he didn't fall out. He just left it there, though. Huh? But mm-hmm. he, anyway, he got. We have a buddy that had the same climber. My dad went and hung some stands for him. The guy gave him the climber. It's the same exact one. So my dad did all his old mods to it that he had done. My dad's back out there, sixty years old. He's not sixty <laughs> yet, but 
59, climbing up fucking trees with a climber, getting doing the old Papa Dave style and going after it this year. So <laughs> awesome. He's, you know, that's the old school saddle pretty much, uh-huh. is the, the climbing yeah. tree stand. Yeah, I love climbers. I narrow mine down to the lone wolves and the, and the saddle. You can, if you, I mean, you practice at a, with a lone wolf, you can scurry up a tree Dude, pretty quick. Dude, the lone wolf yeah. and XOP stands. God, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can. Can you, you can, beat them? Like oh, Jared, so Jared from Lone Wolf, he said, I can be in a tree, start stand at the bottom of it, and be sitting in that stand in less than five minutes. It's amazing. Yeah. Maybe it's less than that. I don't know. Heat the guy. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. you know, with the Lone Wolf right now, it takes me 15 minutes maybe to get up and be mm-hmm. done. But I'm tight. Yeah. I don't want to spend that kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if you... Uh, you just buy one, and then you hang it, and you hunt, and then you take it down, and yeah. then yeah. go somewhere else tomorrow. That's what I used to do. I killed a buck. I hung it. I, it was a hanging bang before I knew the term hanging bang. Mm-hmm. One of my, it actually is my biggest deer. Hung the stand the uh, midday, the day before, when the next morning, killed that buck. On my way down to go get that buck, I pulled the stand. <laughs> so like I'm like fuck yeah, killed him. As I'm getting down, lower my bow, pull my bow hook out, safety strap, lower the stand, stick by stick all the way down. I'm like no one will ever know I was here and <laughs> dipped off. Hang, awesome, bang and out, hanging, banging out. One entry, one kill, one exit, son. Boom. <laughs> so let's let's go through some social media questions here. Um, we're gonna s- our biggest Canadian fan. Um, Scott Clark, can you guys help Stephen Moeller harvest a good buck? No, I tried last year. I want some. I want some tough love. I think. I think Clark could do it. <laughs> no, I, I want know. tough no. love. Clark's though. nice and has the patience. No. I think Ross would be like, I'm done. No. No. I'm already done. With <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm already done. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Steve. If you ever come up with the spot where you want to invite me up, I'll hunt with you and I'll show you what to do. But you got to let me shoot one too. That's the deal. First, it's <laughs> pretty good. That's, that's a like fair. That. That's fair. That's fair. I can picture yeah. a big one coming in Austin's like, nah, it's not for you, man. Yeah, this <laughs> one's mine. <laughs> it's not for you. You're going to take me. the 140. I'm going to take the Just 180. Soak this, yeah, soak this up while I shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> what, I mean, what do you, like, so Paul Biggs, bless his sweet, sweet heart, invited Steve to Oklahoma in December. And I told Steve, I said, that's really cool, man. But I'm just going to tell you, it doesn't count if someone has to hand you your first big buck. <laughs> And I just tough love, man. You got to get it while the getting's good. Get it on your own. He doesn't even need a big buck right now, though. He just needs antlers. He needs antlers. What do you guys think about that type of? Uh, what's this? Steve's the perfect scenario. If he's like, "Hey, man, let me come kill a deer on your property." What's what are you gonna say to him? I want I want tough love because I think it's the only way Steve is gonna get it. Well. Well, <laughs> Ross is like all smiles <laughs> over here. Uh, what, say, say that last part one more time. What'd you say? Something about. All right, let's do a role play. Coming I, over. Act like you're Steve. Coming call up Ross. Okay, okay. Ready? Ring, 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 ring. Mm-hmm. Ring, ring, <laughs> ring, ring. Yeah. Hey, Ross, it's Steve. What? <laughs> What's going on? Sorry, I just, <laughs> just got up the stairs. Hey, uh, I was thinking maybe this weekend I could uh, come kill that... Uh, <laughs> that big buck that's uh, been feeding out on your clover plot there. What do you say, man? I need some help killing my first big buck. <laughs> yeah, I have a, I have a hard time. <laughs> These stairs, man, they're really getting me. These stairs are just killing this guy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I can come on. Uh, what I Ross? Can, I can get real, huh? I get real asinine. Ross, but are you I don't still there? Like to. <laughs> yeah, you're still, <laughs> still here. <laughs> I don't want to. Uh, no, I. I don't, the rope with the wind direction's wrong. It ain't gonna work. <laughs> okay, thanks. All right. All right, hold on. All right, I'll talk to you later, Ross. Bye. 
I'm gonna call Austin now. Ring ring. No ring ring. No no. All right. Ignore ignore the call. He didn't answer. He didn't answer that one. Yeah, he didn't answer. Voicemail. Ring ring. Hopefully Clark answers. Ring 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 ring. I'm sorry. Hey Clark. Hey, what's up, man? Is your daughter home? <laughs> oh, God. That does sound like you. <laughs> Too real. <laughs> Too real. Too realistic stuff. Oh, man. What would you tell him, though? What if he did? Or anybody? Um, the handout is what they're wanting. Yeah, there, there actually are a lot of people that want handouts. They come out uh, of the woodwork. Yeah. You get a lot of, of buddies during hunting season. Mm-hmm. But um, I just had this conversation with my dad. You have to be an asshole. It's sad to say it, but as a landowner, you have to be an asshole. Yep. Yeah. If you want to hunt big deer and have yeah, unpressured you, ground, if you're into the sport like I am, you have to be an asshole. Yeah, you do to a line. point. But the thing is, people that are asking don't really get it. Yeah, that's yeah. the biggest problem. I mean, I, th- I think they think you just run out there and you've put in this food plot and 10 or 15 big bucks are going to roll in there. And yeah. Why yeah. can't they shoot one of them? Exactly. I, it's yep. like... Perfect example. I hunted with uh, my buddy Jason Enders. You guys know mm-hmm. Jason, I think. Uh, yeah. One of my really good buddies works for Whitetail Properties. One of the greatest dudes ever. He said, hey, how about you and Sam come down and hunt with me? And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'd love that, man. Because I used to hunt down in his area, so he invited me down. And he puts sets us up. You know, He thought it was so cool Sam was going down to hunt, trying to get her first deer, and set me up in a stand and could have shot a doe and stuff like that and i wasn't going to shoot nothing unless it was a giant just because i didn't want to shoot one of his younger deer and whatever i was just really down there to hang out after the hunt was what we were there for and um he's like yeah i was like he's like what'd you see i was like oh saw a couple of does he's like why didn't you shoot it i'm like <laughs> i am not gonna shoot one of your does man and booger up your ground back there like but if you shot that doe he'd have been like why'd you shoot it <laughs> that's I, I told him like just let you know it's like i'm not it's got to be a super freak for me to fire an arrow tonight man like i'm not gonna be that guy to shoot like one of your up and comers you've been passing that's like a 140 inch three-year-old uh-huh. like that's gonna be a 160 inch four-year-old like i'm not doing that to you but you've got enough respect though that you go into it on pins and needles like man i'm not gonna screw this up yeah and the thing is it's i didn't call him to ask to go hunt there he's like i want you and sam to come hunt so we can drink beer afterwards yeah pretty much what it was (laughs) can't turn that down so i was all about it but i don't mind helping my buddies that i know can do it yeah you know that have done it and have the track record but i want people to learn the tough way yeah, mm, that's the way I you're think for sure. There is something to that. You want somebody to, you, they're not going to appreciate it the same way you would appreciate it. Yeah. So, yep. if you just hand it over to them, I mean, they need to work for it. So, so that's out. We've already talked about it. We're done. Yeah. Okay. I mean, nobody so come Steve, knocking. Steve, yeah, Steve's out. <laughs> Poor Steve. Uh, yeah, that was funny, though. Uh, Mark Hurley does ask kind of a joke question, too. Clark, how do you feel about Steve Muller calling you a possible serial killer back? many podcasts ago i don't really that remember was, that i do it was so good it's so funny <laughs> the, he come up with a question he's like all right clark cummins has a gun to your head what do you say <laughs> it, you just have to listen to the podcast to remember it but it was hilarious he said he said you'd be a really good serial killer i do remember that <laughs> i don't yeah. remember i yeah. kind of remember it vaguely but i don't remember the details if it's serial killer for big bucks i'm okay with that <laughs> yeah. i mean it's not yeah it's not i don't think that's what he was talking about <laughs> okay this is funny and if you were to rate how easy it would be to bag steve on a deer level button buck or horny rut craze spike <laughs> yeah let's throw him in that uh 
year and a half old spike range <laughs> running around the woods. The one that you always every see. Grunt, every grunt, every every sit, he's always there. Yeah, he's around. always there. <laughs> he's not sure whether he's chasing tail or you roll that can call over and he's going to look for his mom. He, he can't. <laughs> he can't figure it out. <laughs> Comes on at the exact same draw every time and eats and goes back into the exact same draw and beds back down. You're like, God damn it, go away. Yeah, meanwhile, some kids just. <laughs> The, the kid's walking in and doesn't yeah. have this. He doesn't have that little sticker that came over the can. So it's <laughs> in his pack. Here comes Steve running. <laughs> me, and, uh, me, and, me, and me and Eric call those deer Timmies. <laughs> Timmies. That's awesome. Uh, we covered the rattling question. John Robinson, rattling. How often? When do you usually start? We twentieth, um, right? If you I, I like it earlier than a lot of guys do. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I've, ha- I've had luck on, like I said, on the nineteenth. Nineteenth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like rattling anytime I feel like the conditions are right. Mm-hmm. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, tonight I didn't tell you guys this on the way up here. Seventeenth of October, I saw two bucks pushing each other around in a field. Right. Pretty really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard. I've Hold seen. Hold on us, huh? Yeah, I forgot to tell you that. <laughs> seen a couple articles that said it, that the rut's projected to be a week or two earlier than it normally is. I don't yeah. know. But is I believe it ever it though? Well, you you know you can never say. Well, the rut starts on this day. Right. Yeah. You can when you're seeing activity like that on the what is today the seventeenth. Yeah. Seventeenth. Yeah. When you see activity like that on the seventeenth, might be something to it. It gets yeah. people excited. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think it's always the same every year, but yeah. I think people see these situations where it gets you excited yeah Yeah. well i'm gonna agree with you kurt i but i will say i talked to a guy that raises deer and and sells their urine and all that Mm -hmm. uh asked him about that i'm like well weather and this and that what, what what changes rut for your deer he said nothing uh every doe i've ever had has had their fawn or fawns um within 24 hours every year back to back to back no shit. They will conceive on the same, just more or less within hours. Damn. Hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. I Take that they, for thought, I guess. The weather. The weather, yeah. And everything kind of exposes a different mm-hmm. part of what you're seeing. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I agree that the actual breeding probably happens almost to the day every year. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. I, that's my theory. Yeah. Well, two, though, if you look at it this way, and this might be too deep, and maybe I'm not going to do a good enough job at explaining what I mean, because I feel like sometimes I struggle with that. It's not for us, the rut is not when the doe is in estrus. It's when the bucks start acting stupid. Yeah. So yep. we don't see the the real rut. The real rut is when that doe is in estrus, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. And it's that could be. Down. I wonder how long are they in estrus? Do you guys know when they go into estrus? I thought it was like. Um, a short window uh, yeah it? it was like up to 72 hours or something but okay 48 hours i, I might yeah. be wrong it was some year long it's, it's a couple there. days that they'll kind of be yeah, in that i thought cycle. i heard like four days yeah that's what i, I had it in my head it was like so te- like technically the rut is bucks waiting for does to go into asterisk like yeah. getting all horned up pretty much right yeah. mm-hmm. i mean that's kind of a yeah and then you that's go what to, it is but, and then you go to yeah. lockdown and yeah. then they're just bouncing between bedrooms, right? Yeah, honestly, yeah. There's actually a time I think, and not that I haven't had some good hunts, but it seems like it's always when they're following a doe. But the time frame, like uh, I don't know, let's say the tenth through the fifteenth, something in that time frame, it seems to me like it it gets pretty tough to hunt. 
mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to find the deer because all the big bucks have a doe at that point because mm-hmm. there's so mm-hmm. many does in here yeah. yeah that if you don't if you don't find that exact doe he's with then you're mm-hmm. kind of screwed but and right. that's where yeah. i found that the high noon hunting seems to pay off good whether it's moon phase combination of lockdown get up there stretch your legs middle of the day i've seemed to have had a lot of encounters with great big ones ones that i hadn't seen all season midday yeah. see them across the field just come to the field edge or crossing through a short uh, mm-hmm. bottleneck in the field or something i put eyes on big deer during that time high noon so that's where i get my high noon kill the big ones yeah but it ross anyway. bigger high noon <laughs> high noon ross <laughs> there's a Show t-shirt in that you gotta get a t-shirt with a cowboy hat or something <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna have to <laughs> bill uh we kind of covered this thoughts on accessing stand locations that might uh, be tricky to get into without spooking deer. We kind of covered that a little bit for like the acorn, the deep timber deer, like stay f- on the yeah. fringes. But um, say it's November and you know it's rut, and maybe those deer patterns are unpredictable. What maybe your strategy to hunt a deeper timber? Stand? Yeah, and like you got to get to Just that spot. Got to like, use that yeah. topography. Use those big deep ravines and gullies, creeks. If you can slip a little boat down a creek, just a kayak it, maybe. Yeah. I'm I'm actually getting one of those little bass and buddies little plastic boat with the trolling motor on it. Oh I'm really? Gonna, I'm gonna put her right into one. Of I my love spots. the yeah. thought of that, but I just I make fun of the just the I make fun of it, but I understand why it's necessary. You can make fun of me when I'm dragging my 180 out. <laughs> <with it>. Hey, <laughs> I'll be right behind you paddling without an electric motor. No, I always think about it because I have a creek on my ground. I'm like, man, it would be great to just kayak in there. And I get it's a, an effective strategy. I just mm-hmm. generally making fun of people who, to just make fun of people. Do yeah. <laughs> but um, but no, I think it is a, I think it's a cool strategy. Yeah. yeah. I've never tried it. I've always wanted to, so I'm going to do it this year. The first guy I've ever heard about taking a boat in was a property I hunted back in the day in Fulton County. We had this big lake, and there was this area that we never hunted. He took an old aluminum John boat in there and went in and killed – like a hundred and seventy inch buck from the ground, man. and that that was oh man, I don't even want to guess. Early mid two thousands, and I just thought it was the most savage shit of all time. Like, <laughs> but how could it not be effective when you leave no scent trail in? You yep. make no noise. You it's yeah, it's it, silent. How, how perfect is it? You That's know? the key. I think if you can find any way to backdoor them and get into a spot, mm-hmm. public uh, land especially, I see why that's important. Yeah, because you have to. It's big on public land. Yeah. yeah. You got to get creative, even if it's have somebody drive you in on a into the tractor, or drop or you off in a tractor, mm-hmm. and just don't stop. Be sitting on the tailgate, just mm-hmm. dump right off and get in. I mean, there's a, a bunch of different ways. Or like Ross talked about earlier, just sometimes if you got to cross a wide open area that you know the deer are going to be feeding, you're better off just to wait till all those deer move off and then move in later. Right. I think that's and then a I'm big on the fence. Thing. I'm on the fence between once you do that move in. Uh, go real slow and ease into the timber and glass and ease and glass or glass make sure you don't see anybody go a little ways glass again and then just get your ass in the tree yeah i mean a lot of times if you're quick and you can get in there without bumping it's it's a risk but if you can just get to the tree and get in there sit down and hold still that's going to be way better than lurking around the woods you get a chance of somebody catching your wind on another hillside and you're still 100 yards from your tree mm-hmm. you know if you can just slip in get right to the point sit down hold still yeah. what i have found some success in is uh we usually take the gator down to our field mm-hmm. and the deer kind of get used to it in early season so during the rut i'll just walk from my house all the way back there it's like not to trick them but 
they know nothing's there now almost like mm-hmm. they're, oh, they're yeah. used to hearing the gator and now there's nothing there so they just kind of move in right hmm. and i've had success doing that yeah, yeah. that makes sense one yeah. thing i wanted to bring up i had a guy text me uh my buddy Corey. um he's got a, a pretty good buck on his camera um what, what do you say um I was going to read a situation because your tactic, Ross, about that mid-morning buck, would it be it's going to pay off for him if he can do it. Um, any tips on standing? If any tips on uh, hunting standing corn? They haven't harvested where we're at, and it's really frustrating. I'm getting pick after pick on my cameras, but not seeing anything when I go out. Uh, this picture's at 9:40 a.m. and it's a good buck of him hitting a scrape. Um, I think at a couple days ago, at almost 10 in the morning, and. That's a good sign. If he's there in the daylight, you can yeah. kill him. That's what I said. I said daylight buck killable. Yeah. And that's Absolutely. really as simple as you just be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's discouraging on that standing corns and you can't, the visibility's not there, but you know those deer are right. They got to be close to you. It might, might be yeah. a good time to try that rattling, something that can bring them out. And okay. I don't know if there's anything to it or not, but it seems like I've seen great big bucks move right at first light, like almost not light enough to shoot. And then it, dies off for about 45 minutes to an hour and then you start seeing it move again it it, kind of it kind of differs i don't know i can't really bank on that i'm just it seems like i've seen great big ones right at very first light Mm -hmm. and then there's a little bit of a dead spell and then they start moving and you see a few and then it dies off again i don't know it's kind of all over the place for me i can't couldn't really put my finger on exactly when they're moving but i can't i don't know so so what i'm going where i'm going with that is wait till right after first light glass field get in there that deer showed up and hit that scrape at nine o'clock in the morning yeah eight, 940, so 940 so you're in there by eight chill there and wait yeah you, the timing of of your approach i think is a huge thing just because if if you got across a, a wide open cattle pasture chances are when you got to go in early in the dark there's not going to be a lot of deer in that cattle pasture they're probably going to be out in somebody else's cornfield right and then filter back through but if you got across a cornfield, you might have to get creative on when you go in. And like Ross said, glass your way in. Give it just a little bit of light just to see. Because I think anytime you bump a deer, whether it's in the dark or not, they're already on alert and they're they're hard enough to kill when they don't know you're hunting them, let right. alone when they know you're there. But if the, if the field's clear, then book it. Yeah, yeah. get across there as quick as you can because yeah. it's not going to be clear for very long, most likely, if you're in a good spot. Okay, right. I have a question for you guys for one of my scenarios. I have a spot where I think it's a bluff. It's a stand on a bluff, and it's a perfect pinch point on, on a certain wind. To get there, I have to walk through. If, if I hunt, a, I haven't hunted there in the morning yet, um, and I don't plan on it until I feel it's right later this month or early November. To get there, I'd have to either walk the edge of some open cornfields, which I know deer are feeding, um, feeding in. Do I... What would be the better option? Say the first morning I do want to hunt it because deer are going to be there regardless of what time of year it is, I feel, in the morning, in the dark. Do I walk the edge of that field and get in there? Or would I be better off driving my truck around the edge and parking it in a low spot and then diving into my stand that's in the timber in that pinch? Or what would your plan? Do, what would you guys think to do? To, if I know a big buck is going to be in there in the morning at some point, or would you do that late morning tactic? What would be? What I'd would start with that late late morning tactic. That way, nobody's on the field. You know, if you bump him or a doe that he's with out, it could be all over before it even begins. 
Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Just start conservative, um, you know, start with yeah, that late morning. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, then you could try going in earlier. I mm-hmm. think the second best option to wait and to be able to glass the field is to go in two hours early in the pitch. I mean, no light at all. Because sometimes I think the deer, they they may know you're there. I mean, you still want your wind away from the deer because if they smell you, they're going to know you're there. But if you can slip along that edge and hopefully not, come into contact too much even if you bump them a little ways i think they know something was there but they don't know what was there mm-hmm. if it's black enough um now if you have a and bright you're far enough them, out yeah i just i agree with that because mm-hmm. i mean and in my in my head well after sitting there listening to does blow all over the place and you know it's not you i mean they're clear clear yeah. across somewhere else and they're blowing and then a coyote runs across the field yeah, and yeah. then they're blowing. Deer this, blowing blow is a thing that. deer do all the time. Yeah, so I in my head, so I go back to say, in my head, it, I'm like, meh, I didn't booger them that bad. I mean, they blow stuff all the time, so I'll just, I'm just going to pretend everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then don't see anything. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the best route is. I, I'd say if you bump them, you bump them. I just... Depending on the time of year, too. I, I, I love hunting that, watching the sun come up or get in an hour and a half ahead of the sun coming up, and it is dark. Yeah. And then sit there and yeah. almost fall asleep waiting on the sun. So Yeah. That's I, the thing. This spot, I, I've contemplated like, well, deer are spooked all the time by vehicles, all the time. I feel like I'm better off driving around the field and spooking the deer where they'll run 20 yards and then come right back out. And then as the deer are coming back out – I'm slipping into my spot where my truck is parked on the other side. Like be ready to get out and just dive in when I park. I feel like that is going to be less of an impact walking in. I know is going to fuck it up. I know that, but I guess I didn't think about the go in two hours early and walk it. It's it's an idea, but like I'd go back to what Austin said and say, hunt conservatively, go in later, uh, glass your way in. Get in there and have have a trail cam. Have a couple of trail cameras. Get your field edge camera and down end camera. That way you go rolling in there. Pull your cards before or after. It doesn't matter. I that's got your, a cell cam in there right now. That's your intel. <laughs> so you turn around, you go back, you check, and you notice that, hey, we, I've got some deer on the field um, ahead of or right at daylight or right at half hour after daylight. Then you know. Yeah, you know, they've been there or might be there. Maybe that two-hour thing might be a, a trick. You can get in yeah. there, but I don't know. I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that late morning and sit for the majority of the day. Um, there, don't mind our studio door in here just creaking. <laughs> um, let's go over some more questions here. We're, we're chipping away in this. Um, tricks for hunting pressure deer this is t- uh ty dermer tricks for hunting pressure deer you have tons of pictures but you never see the deer when hunting always playing the wind and using good scent control aka nocturnal deer late season late Just leave him season. alone and hunt him late season when he has to get up and feed and get your food pots established your food sources for late season that late season i, I keep leaning more towards late season all the time you see deer in late season that you have pictures of all year and you never see them that's when i read that that's first thing i thought of yeah if you you can bring them out with the food late that's your your best chance Uh, naturally if you're going to try to go in there and hunt him earlier i mean I, i wouldn't blame somebody if they had a shooter but i would probably concentrate on your known doe areas 
if you're going to hunt him, maybe not hunt him where you know he's um, living. If if you don't feel like he's moving at all during the daytime, just just hunt the closest known doe bedding areas and hope that sooner or later he's going to come in and check those out. I agree uh, with that. Okay. That would maybe be the, the next thing. Kind of keep the pressure off of him okay, and, and hope that he slips up and then kind of keep him in your area until that late season. Okay, I like that. I like that. Um, Josh Berry, what's y'all's opinions on beans that are ready to be harvested but are still in the field? I've heard deer won't mess with beans after they start to turn. Hmm. So I, uh, I right now I've got some – beans that had to be second planted um they didn't take the first round um on a it's a, a lease and i hunt that farm and they had to come back in and put late beans in so there's still some green leaves on these beans uh, the other night when i hunted i hunted over corn uh coming off a big ridge thinking i was gonna get to see something been quite a few actually three pretty good bucks rolling through um on this camera so i thought we'd be good to go so i sat on that in that stand over the corn and i've got winter wheat on one side of me um you know a couple hundred yards to the east and i've got these green beans to the west and i saw 14 13 come out on the beans and when i was slipping out trying to hustle down the fence row without getting caught uh there was probably 10 13 on the winter wheat so they were splitting me um or I was splitting them, but they weren't hitting the corn at all. They're hitting the beans right now. It's going to transition what I've seen in the past to the corn. Cut corn is always good. Uh, they're in the standing corn, but you can't ever see them. And then late season beans are key. Out of anything that I've planted in the past, I really like beans. You can hold and attract a lot of deer uh, late season in the beans. Actually, Austin filmed me kill one eating on some beans, so... I'm, if I could talk about that question, I I tend to, you like Ross said, you're going to see deer feeding in the beans when they're green. Once they turn, they're ready to be harvested. I don't see as many deer in those beans. It's I would say it's almost rare to see deer in fully matured beans. That being said, once you start getting those cold temperatures in December, then you start seeing them come back to those beans. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I guess it depends on the time of the year, but yeah, if you can find green ones right now, get on them and then wait until December and get back on the beans. You find yeah. the same thing, Clark? Yeah, I say, I'd say I'm right on with what these guys have said. Um, the only time I've seen the beans really attractive at this time of year is when there's just almost no other food. Right. Uh, like if you don't have any like alfalfa. acorn crop or. Yeah, 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 if there's no acorns and it's just not real good i mean they'll browse the timber edges and then they'll move out to them beans but overall i would say 90 percent of the time the the brown beans are just not that attractive until that first snowfall yeah and then it just is like and the beans have them, the beans have the most protein so they mm-hmm. go back they switch off cut corn and they'll go to the beans yeah uh, it's like if you cold. were if it was hot out 
you're not going to go and eat something super heavy and then continue to be back out into the heat. Yeah. Like, if it's cold out, you're like, man, I want, like, a heavy-ass lasagna. Milk was a, a hot- bad decision. <laughs> yeah. Milk some, was a bad some, choice. You want some hot chili. <laughs> it's some hot chili when it's July. <laughs> you're out there at the beach after, like, three bowls of hot chili and crackers. <laughs> your shirt off, just like, uh, yeah, I feel like moving around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you compare deer to humans, we're not all that much different, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a weird comparison I just made, but I'm just being a dickbag at that. But (laughs) it's really not too far off, though, either. Like My rut runs year-round, though, so. Yeah, that's the difference of that Ross Bigger seed, man. It'll get you. (laughs) Well, you know, a part of this, He's just a different kind of breed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. know It's you or your wife, man. I think that part of the, the situation with the beans is the... During the summer, when the antlers are growing and the does are lactating, they need a lot of protein because mm-hmm. um, the does are rearing fawns and they're pumping out milk like crazy. And the bucks, they're putting on their horns and replenishing their body mass for the year. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of get off of that and move more towards a a green and browse. They, they seem to go through that stage where they just aren't really that into the beans. And it's partially because the beans have turned, but I think it's part too that their bodies just need different things um but then as it gets real cold and you start getting uh, to where they need that protein to replenish because they've been rutting and yeah and all that and it's it's time to put some back on they kind of come back into it but because don't they like, say bucks lose like 30 percent of their body weight during the rut yeah and and two and a half months if you think about it God. yeah that's insane that's crazy yeah, yeah. it's nuts I need oh, that to makes that. perfect sense um AJ Cox writes in here. I'm sh- I'm sure this is an inside joke of yours. Does a fishing lure have to be stuck in your hand during deer season for good luck? Is that an inside <laughs> joke, Clark? I, I don't remember that, but here's <laughs> I want him to stick a, f- a fishing lure in his hand, and then if it's good luck, we'll we'll have him stick another <laughs> one in his hand later. <laughs> At least I did not have the hooks in my hand, but it came close. I was wondering. If that is why I didn't have good luck last fall, the same question, but with broadheads. Because he didn't sink the hook. He should have stuck it in his hand, and then <laughs> okay. he would have had good luck. I'm not. I, I guess I, I see it. I don't. I don't know. Um, Scott Clark's being a dick bag with that question, so we're not going to answer that one. Um, Jeff Southall, we might know this man. Question for Clark: Prediction of when Team Grizz will reunite? Moose hunt? Oh. Question mark. Or yeah. moose hunt? I guess moose I should read the yeah. question mark. Moose hunt. I, I like that idea. We, we need to do that. Team Grizz <laughs> needs to reunite because we had a great time over in Africa. Jeff is the – he's a graphic designer for Outdoor Group. Yeah. So big he's, wig over here. He's a he's an awesome dude. He asks, uh, is Matt going to shoot a bigger deer than you this year? <laughs> uh, no. That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Question for Ross. What is the secret regimen for beer for, of the beard? Mm. Oh, there we go. Beard goals. Hashtag. Beard goals. <laughs> Dang. Uh, no, you got some beard butter. Know. You got some kind of beard butter going on there. Oh, uh, yeah. I live bearded. Uh, I buy a bunch of stuff from live bearded. There's more product goes into this Team thing. Team 69. Than, yeah, Team 69. <laughs> bearded. Evercom. Copenhagen. Copenhagen. <laughs> Crown Royal. Crown yeah. Royal. Yep. All of the above. Lots of wood cutting. <laughs> Lots of wood cutting. Chainsaws and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Some, some electricity. Yeah. Uh, doing electric work without shutting the breaker off. Yep. It's a combination. Just try it. Hey, yeah. do you think Jeff's the guy behind the Instagram page, Ross Bigger's Beard? Um, Ooh. I bet you he is. I'm pretty frustrated. Do you know Clark? 
Do you know? It's got to be Buckingham, I thought. That's, I swear it's got to be. <laughs> I swore it was Steven. Whoever it is, I it's need to take Steve over that page because they're slacking. It's either Steve or Buckingham. <laughs> Bill Buckingham? <laughs> yeah, Bill Buckingham. Yep. That's just yeah. one or the other. Okay. But they're slacking though. I'm. T- I, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> they're slacking. That that's a page. It, it bums me out that they don't post more random photos of your beard. Because how creepy would it be? Like if someone had, like if it wasn't any of us, it was just some. Yeah, like I was throwing groceries in the truck or something <laughs> at Walmart. And, yeah. yeah, and somebody just got me all the way across the parking lot. Yeah, just like, yeah, random ones on job I sites. Would, I, yeah, I'd be headhunting by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty awesome, dude. That would be so. That, funny. Wouldn't that be awesome? I'd sleep so good knowing somebody's taking my picture. There's a photo of your beard in our studio of an angle none of us could get in here. It's like somehow. It's like behind the window. (laughs) Through the crack off my porch. They're just like, got him. I don't know. Tank's got a beard going on. I I can't compete with that. That was nice. Tank was born to grow hair. I know. It's Yeah. My wife's like, oh, yeah, you got another beard, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, it was overnight. It was overnight. (laughs) There's always just like old milk stuck in. <laughs> hey, hey, that's not a joke. Tank's okay. just like, <laughs> Tank's just like, I sneezed and it just showed up. I I'm know. sorry. That's pretty much what happened. It is kind of embarrassing how much product you have to put in a beard, though. Like, yeah. When you get in, otherwise it, it's flat out painful to have on your yeah. face. Yeah. When you, you get it this long and you don't do anything about it, it dude, hurts. Scent control spray. Mm. It, yeah. Oh, it gets real painful. Hey, let's talk about real quick. Let's talk about. <laughs> did you see Eric's chops for the Nebraska oh, hunt on the virtue? Yeah, beautiful. Oh my gosh, he went yeah. with it. Do you think he's commit to he, that, Doug? Yeah, I think he's committed to that. I think he's going to have it for hunting too. So he still have it? No, but he thinks he's going to go back he's to it during back. the rut. Oh, okay. That was hardcore. Yeah, it that's was intense. metal. Those were some chops. Let's talk about this. For people that don't know, you can go to Carbon TV and watch one of the Nebraska episodes on the Virtue, the Virtue TV. Eric. It looked like he was like a 1800s war general, <laughs> and he was there to end mule deer. And Doug was there to fill in the gaps. Yeah, with his staff. Yeah, <laughs> where Ross called me, like, what the hell? Yeah, you every time you guys kissed, it was like you guys just, were together. You know what I mean? I just called Doug the other day. What? I'm like, first off, was this is this a joke? Like, what what was Eric's deal? <laughs> I was like, I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah, dude. Every time we were, me and my dad were watching in here at the house, and my dad was like, "Oh my god, look at Eric's facial hair." He's like, "He did that, and he knew he was going to be on TV." I'm like, "Oh yeah, guys, is savage. oh yeah." <laughs> He's all about it. Everybody will. Everybody's going to remember that guy, though. Oh yeah, he kind of screwed yeah. himself because he's going to have to have the chops now every time. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. should have kept them. I think he should have too, but. Well, yeah, he, little he mama killed, probably though. didn't like that though. Yeah. No, should not at all. <laughs> Coming off. So. It's a respect thing. I, it's hard to it's hard to get the ladies to like to <laughs> just <laughs> let you Chop. run your run yeah. your chops, whatever. I need to get some plans going for my. I have a lion tamer's mustache. If I let it go, so I need to like, do figure it. that whole thing out. <laughs> I wish I could grow a beard. UPS won't even let me. Yeah, what's really? up with that, man? Let's talk about your job for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, well, not that I could grow a beard anyway, because you look like you like, could. You look like you I, got the you got know. the dark shadow going on. I haven't tried for a long time. Back when I was younger i tried to grow a beard and it had like these big patches where it just didn't grow or grew a different color or something so <laughs> all like, red for some reason <laughs> yeah i was like so it just didn't work out for me but i always wanted to have a beard but eh, just now let i it can't happen. mine's been so white trash for so long that i just it kind of starts to fill in super white trashy and i just leave it <laughs> back in high school you had like two beards i had an amish beard it was weird i have i have had like 
you can go on my YouTube page and you can see my old beard was just terrible. It is still <laughs> all horrible. Neck. All neck. Dude, yeah, it was pretty much like if you just lined it off on my chin line. Yep. It, that's pretty much my beard. And I had like the craziest mustache. And that's Joe Deerte. Yeah. <laughs> it was so white trash that you have to be like, yeah, I, I'm into that. <laughs> like, mad props to that guy. But Doug's been rocking the mustache. Since last year, you were going to shave it. Yeah, well, And I was like, nope. don't shave your mustache. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever seen you without the mustache. I don't think you have either. No. You I, can't I have, shave it. but it's yeah. been a long time. You can't shave it. No, yeah. it's it's you now. Are you going to keep it forever? Probably. Yeah, man. Probably. <laughs> I keep killing big deer. That's I think your, you need yeah. to lengthen it and do the handlebars. Yeah. I think so? Yeah. Because like, yeah. you can always get rid of the handlebars, but don't ever go past that, you right. know? It's kind of like your thing. It's his trademark. It is people kind of know trademark. Doug. Yeah. Mustache Doug is yeah. what people know you about. Or porn stash Doug. Depends what part of the country you're from. <laughs> depends what videos you've seen me. <laughs> it depends on what genre you clicked on that yeah. night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. My chair just gave in on me. <laughs> it just, it just we, went down. We talk about porn on the podcast, and then um, <laughs> my chair breaks. <laughs> All right, I think we will shut her off there. Anything else we need to add? All right, here's what we're going to do, because this seems like a challenge for everyone. Oh, we're going to start with Clark. Everyone's going to say something positive, Ooh. and then we're going to close her out. Something positive. You had to start with me. I, I needed to think I gave you the easy me. one. I'm last. <laughs> yeah, so something positive. I think that <clears throat> there's going to be some big bucks taken by the guys right here in this room within the next two weeks. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Okay, that is positive. I'll just leave the room, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Tank, uh, (laughs) you cut off here. (laughs) We have the tattoo bet. Let's go, Doug. Something positive. Uh, Something positive. Uh, I got Chief Keefe on trail cam in daylight already, 30 yards from a stand. Nice. Just waiting for the right wind to get in there, but probably give another week. And then get after it, probably. Another week or so. Hopefully he's dead. We named our bucks after rappers, so you guys looked a little lost. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, Chief Keith's that big I, one I got on track. I've been following him. Yeah, <laughs> Chief Keith. I yep. haven't seen him yet. I must be. He's a big one. We'll show you here. Yeah, I'll show you. Cameron, intern tank. Uh, just shot my first uh, tom, so that's going pretty good. Hopefully, I get some sort of deer down, so I don't have to get the stupid tattoo. But uh, people yeah. at work are commenting on it. They're like, hey, you can get this tattoo. And I'm like. Just stop talking. They're just giving you ideas now. <laughs> it's great when people at work listen to the podcast and give Cameron shit about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I go up front and everybody's like, so, where's the tattoo? And I'm like, shut up. God, you get a deer damn. yet? You get a deer yet? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, God. Have you guys heard about the tattoo bet? I did hear about it, but what's the tattoo going to be? It's a uh, little, like, cartoon fawn spike thing. It's a little tiny buck with spots on him. He's like a little cartoon <laughs> thing. And I think where does like, the tattoo have to go? Anywhere, anywhere, anywhere and any size. But it's got to be readable. Okay. Yeah. Austin, so. give us something yeah. positive. <laughs> uh, I'm getting my first clients in tomorrow. So I'm officially a licensed outfitter. I'm getting my very first clients tomorrow. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's a big deal. Big, yep. deal. big deal. We should talk about that at the beginning. Yeah. Because you get slots available still, right? Yeah, I do. Looking for some gun hunters. Um, so, yeah. Would well, you know what dates on the top of your head? Because I sure don't. I, I've got a lot of dates that are open. If somebody's interested, just get a hold of me on Facebook. Can or you, you can email us working class bow at gmail and we'll forward it to Austin and yep. that makes it easier too. Yep. Could you get a gay uh, doe? 
Again, just some yeah, random person. I can, hook a, I can hook a guy. I can hook a guy up for a price. Yeah, what's the fee? <laughs> what's the fee of a tattoo run? Just cost charge him that. How much would it cost Steve to kill a big old buck? Oh man, that's gonna be double for him. Ring, oh. ring, ring, ring. <laughs> <laughs> hey Austin, you got, do you have anything available? <laughs> yeah. Hey, right. Sorry, I'm on some stairs again. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of stairs where the I live. Stairs are a bitch. <laughs> Ross, give us something positive. Oh. I've been thinking hard all the way around the table. So. Yeah, you've been quiet, man. <laughs> yeah, thinking hard. Mm. I don't know. We're uh, awful close to prime time, and hopefully everybody's got their stands in place and ready to go. I know I've got four of them. I still got to go in and hang and bang, but uh, four so far. I'm sure I'd come up with another spot I need to get in. But, um, Yeah. I really don't have much. <laughs> <laughs> I can just hear you crickets. <laughs> I'm uh, getting close to getting caught up on work, so I'll have more time oh, to hunt, I'm go. hoping. You so, gave us a few positives. Positive. You were yeah. good, man, with it's getting close to prime time. You could have quit there. Yeah. yeah that is I just want to see how long you're going to ride it out. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll keep rambling. You got a big doe on film already. Oh, yeah. There yeah. you go, Austin. I should have asked Austin. Hey, phone a friend, right? Dude, <laughs> that footage <laughs> also, you hit her hard. Yeah. Stinking thing. What broadhead was that? That was a raptor trick, actually. First, first, no, I killed that bear with uh, Dixon's raptor trick. Oh, yeah. Um, but otherwise, that's the first deer I've ever shot with a raptor trick. We've been so. getting a ton of messages from people that have tried raptor tricks from hearing on the podcast. They're actually they're not an official sponsor. They're just in relation with Elite, that Elite family. Working Class 15, I think, gets you 50% off, I think, Scott, Archery. Uh, TOG products. TOG products. Yeah. Working Class 15. Right so, on. If you want to try those raptor tricks, we've had a lot of people send us messages of deer that have uh, just been kind of slit in half. Eric's mule deer. Yeah. People were like, what the hell did he shoot that thing with? Is was a raptor trick. Yeah. I'm shooting viper tricks this year. I shot my doe at 60 yards a little week and a half ago and just, dude, knockout punch gel legs. That's, that's my go-to is, is viper tricks. But oh, I tried dude, these dude. out, and uh, Austin – hit me up and said i'm not going out tonight i don't have anything i'm going after so i'll come film you so he come over and ran camera and this doe came out actually we had an awesome huge doe um like I don't know, nine ten eleven other deer were out there walking around well this doe led the pack walking through the field she had a double throat patch and <laughs> Austin's that. like boy she is a prize hopefully she comes close enough well she walked by at a hundo so i was like eh that's a little we'll, far. We'll lay <laughs> off of that one. And then uh, this nice one came out right next to the to the blind. We were both sitting in a redneck. And she came out 35 yards, quartered away. I'm like, dead. And <laughs> shot, and she ducked it. It went right over the top of her. And <laughs> zing. She ran out and uh, <laughs> went broadside, turned around, looked back at us at 55. I hit her with the rangefinder and then zapped her at 55. So. Let her have it, huh? Yeah. Hit her the knockout punch. That's awesome, man. Yep. Yeah. Congrats. That was fun. Good so. time. Well, I guess my something positive is Hang and Bang shirts are coming back on pre-order. That's exciting. The Trip into 150 shirts are coming for pre-order. That's amazing. Um, you guys are all here talking big bucks, and hopefully someone learns something. Um, I know I do every time. Kind of a good refresher. It's kind of like a quick lesson before the quiz type yeah. deal. And, nice little uh, study sesh. Yeah, and the, yeah. the biggest positive is everyone that listens to the show and everyone that's ever been on the show is all part of the same family, and we're all here to support each other and 
it just feels good to have good friends and be able to to do this really whenever we can make it happen. It's a, it's yeah, a good feeling for sure. So appreciate the fuck out of you guys. You guys are awesome. It's fun. Thanks Glad for having us. Yeah, here. thanks for having us again. Of course, man. Anytime. You guys are you guys got that uh, that royalty to be like, hey, we're coming in for a podcast. <laughs> you guys haven't done it yet, but I had to call you, so <laughs> I'm waiting for you guys to demand an episode. Yeah, what's going on there? Yes, yeah, I know. Boss me around a little for once. <laughs> All right, guys. Hope you learned something. Good luck to you in the coming weeks. Here, it's that time. Get out there. Go shoot your bow. We love you. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.